Det här är ett poddradioprogram från Radio AF. Hitta alla våra program på radioaf.se. Someone will remember us, I say, even in another time. Welcome to Someone Will Remember Us, I Say, even another time. I'm Edmund Falby, and in this podcast, we learn about LGBTQ history, the tragedies and victories. Today, I get to talk about one of our most well-known icons, Marsha P. Johnson. You all probably know about her. Uh, so originally, I wasn't planning on going over her, but I figure she's too important not to mention Um I'm sure there's 1,000 sources out there which you could look at instead of listening to this pod. But if this is your only exposure to LGBTQ history, hi mom, I can't risk skipping Marsha P. Johnson. Uh, March is like a Bodhisattva. Her presence on Sheridan Square or on Christopher Street or wherever she stopped and asked for spirit change or chatted with people. It was a religious, holy experience. And all of us who did drag or partial drag always admired her and thought of her as a patron saint. She had this kind of glow about her. She's like an angel. Marsha P. Johnson was an LGBTQ activist in New York. She identified as a drag queen or a transvestite, which is a word I think A lot of my fellow trans people feel a little uncomfortable with today, but transvestite is a word which trans people used in Marsha's time. Trans people and people who enjoyed dressing up in drag, and for that matter, gender non-conforming gay people in general, weren't as distinctly separated as today. My experience is that trans people today feel very little connection with drag queens or drag kings, Some even expressing fear that people in drag play into the stereotypes surrounding trans people and uh, in in result making trans people's lives more difficult. Some still consider people who dress up in drag every now and then to be trans people while some don't. However, in the 70s and 80s there was no clear distinction and both Marsha, who seems to have identified quite strongly as a woman even though she enjoyed playing with gender roles and others' expectations on her, um, and other trans people and drag performers call themselves transvestites. I'm going to alternate a little between the terms. I'm also consequently going to call Marsha she, and I'm not disclosing her birth name because most of the people who knew her seem to have called her she, even when she wasn't performing, and I don't know about Marsha but I would myself be very uncomfortable if someone made a podcast about me and mentioned my birth name so maybe I'm overly cautious but rather that than disrespectful. Marsha P. Johnson was born 1945 on the 24th of August. Her family consists of a single mother and an older sister. The family was Roman Catholic and Marsha remained religious into her adult life. 
she started dressing as a girl when she was about five years old, but stopped when some neighbor boys raped her. She came out as gay to her mother as a teenager, and it didn't go very well. Her mother reportedly said that Marcia was lower than a dog. However, in 1963, Marcia moved to Greenwich Village, first working at a restaurant and then turning to drag performance and sex work. And she didn't just sell sex for the money, but also because she finally felt that her body was desirable. It made her feel comfortable and happy about herself and her gender expression to know that people wanted to buy sex from her. She lived on the street for long periods of time. She was assaulted by customers, by people passing her on the street, and by the police. Still, she was by all accounts a wonderful, generous person who greeted everyone with a smile. Marsh stood out with her handmade or second-hand clothes with huge flowers in her hair and all kinds of odd decorations to the outfit, such as Christmas lights. She chose the name Marsha P. Johnson, the P standing for Paid No Mind. She had, according to her friends, been in court, and when the judge asked her what the P stood for, she had snapped her fingers at him and said, Paid No Mind, and the name stuck. Marsha was one of the first drag queens to bled into Stonewall Inn, the by now iconic gay club on Christopher Street. They had previously had a ban on women and drag queens, but Marsha became a performer there. Stonewall wasn't a particularly nice place, but it was one of the few places where LGBTQ people could go dancing or performing drag. Stonewall was owned by the mafia and it didn't have any liquor license, so the police demanded bribes to keep it open, but they still raided the club every now and then. Marcia and other drag queens were regularly assaulted or arrested by the police. On the 28th of June 1969, the police raided the Stonewall Inn, but this time it didn't go as planned. Gay women were assaulted by the policemen, and drag queens were rounded up to be arrested for dressing up in women's clothes. People started gathering outside Stonewall Inn, and the air turned hostile. A woman probably Stormy Delavery, a gay woman and one of the few drag kings at Stonewall, was forcefully taken into a police vehicle. She fought back and yelled at the crowd to do the same. Some pinned this as the starting point for the uprising, while others say it's when Marsha P. Johnson threw a shot glass at a mirror inside, shouting, I got my civil rights. Either way, the raid turned into an uprising, stretching over several days. Marsha P. Johnson joined the Gay Liberation Front, which formed after the Stonewall Uprising, in order to fight for the rights of gay people. She participated in the first Christopher Street Liberation Pride Rally, held in June 1970, one year after the Stonewall Uprising, to commemorate it. This was the first Pride Parade. Of course, this is a little bit simplistic and there had been parades or rallies before, but this is often seen as the first modern Pride Parade.
That's a clip from one of the pride parades that Marsha P. Johnson attended. While drag performers and trans people had had an important part in the Stonewall Uprising and later in the first pride parades, many felt that the LGBTQ movement focused too heavily on gay cis men, while women and trans people were left out of the discussion or even looked down upon. As a result, the Lavender Menace was formed to work for the rights of gay and bisexual women, while STAR was created for and by trans women and drag queens. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, a close friend and fellow drag queen, founded STAR in 1972, and it stands for Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. Young homeless people were given a place to sleep because STAR had an apartment that Marsha and Sylvia somehow had gotten their hands on. They called the young trans people they got in touch with through STAR their kids. And in order to keep the kids off the street, Marcia P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera sold sex themselves. In 1973, drag queens were banned from the Pride Parade. To this, Marcia P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera answered by marching in front of the parade, making it seem like they were leading it. During this time, Marcia also kept performing. She was a part of two drag performance groups, Hot Peaches and the Angels of Lights. In 1975, Marcia P. Johnson was photographed by Andy Warhol in his Ladies and Gentlemen series. While everything else was happening, Marcia P. Johnson also struggled greatly with mental health issues from 1970 and onwards. While she was very spiritual, this would sometimes turn into irrational beliefs such as believing her father was Neptune and claiming to have seen him at the bottom of the river. On a few occasions, she was sent to mental institutions, but she would never fully recover. Nonetheless, Marsha P. Johnson was a kind-hearted and generous person. She had to sell sex and beg in the streets to survive, but whenever she had money, she would gladly give it all to other people in need. There's a very sweet story about how she and a friend spent their last two dollars on a box of cookies, and within minutes, the box was empty because Marcia had given them all away to people she met while they were walking down the street. In addition to Star, Marcia was also involved with ACT UP, an AIDS organization. She worked for the rights of people who had contracted AIDS in the early years when adequate help was scarce for AIDS victims. I will talk more about the AIDS crisis in later episodes, and that's plural because there's unfortunately a lot to talk about. Marsha took care of friends who were dying in AIDS, and she was herself HIV positive for the last couple of years of her life. In June of 1992, soon after the Pride Parade of that year, Marsha disappeared and was later found dead in the Hudson River on the 6th of July. She had a big wound in her head when she was found, but it isn't conclusive evidence that she was murdered since bodies do decompose in weird ways when they're in water. There's also witnesses who say they saw her being assaulted on the pier the night she disappeared. However, there's no clear answer about what happened. The case was written off as a suicide, Yes, she had struggled with mental health through the last two decades, but most of the people around Marcia said that she was not at all suicidal. Rivera said that they had promised each other that they would cross the River Jordan, meaning the Hudson River, together. In addition, Johnson had been assaulted several times in the same area where she was reportedly assaulted the night she disappeared, and 
where she was later found dead. She had been battered, she had been raped, she had been shot at, she had even been pushed into the river once before, only managing to survive that time through some miracle, and twelve days before she was found dead. She was interviewed, and in this interview, she talks about how dangerous her life was, and how many times she had thought she was going to die. I'm dying, 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 but ain't dead yet. However, the death was ruled a suicide, and to this day, the case is cold. The most likely scenarios are suicide, murder, or that she was assaulted and either jumped into the river to escape or fell in. I definitely believe foul play was involved and I hope we will someday get to the bottom of this. Marsha P. Johnson's funeral was attended by hundreds of people. Her ashes were carried down to the river by a huge mass of people, and her ashes were spread over the river. When we did much of the funeral up at the church, uh, we hadn't counted on hundreds of people coming. The church was packed. They had to stop the people from coming in, and it was going to be carried down to the river. Well, we had arranged to go on the sidewalk, but I looked around, and there were literally hundreds, and we couldn't. So on outside, I talked to one of the police, whom I knew. I had a store on Christmas Street, so I knew most of them. I said, look, her family, I can't do it. You know, you've got to give me the street. And we said, we can't give you the street. You need a permit, yada, yada, yada. I said, look, it's for Marsha. And the head cop looked and he said, Marsha was a good queen. He said, go ahead, give them the street. And we got the street for Marsha's funeral. So it was that kind of effect that Marsha would have, which Tommy is talking about, people you wouldn't expect, a chief of police, to suddenly close down 7th Avenue because... Marsha Johnson was going to be carried down to the river. Marsha was one of those people who played such a huge part in the modern history of LGBTQ people that it's difficult to know what the world would be like without her. She was one of the few brave who literally kicked their way to freedom at Stonewall. She participated in the first Pride Parade and helped young homeless trans people and AIDS victims when she herself was poor, sometimes homeless and often assaulted and HIV positive. She did all of these things with huge flowers in her hair and a big smile on her face and I'm, I'm not sure how to properly put forth how much she means because I'm so humbled by the thought of how much she has meant to the world and to me on a personal level. I am thankful and proud to belong to a trans community where heroes like her have cleared a path. And I'm so sad and angry that the path she had to walk was so very difficult for her. I'm immensely privileged compared to her. I'm white, I come from middle class background, I'm trans masculine instead of feminine. Still, she has done more for the trans community than I can ever wish to accomplish. If you want to learn more, I can recommend the film The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. It's about trans woman Victoria Cruz who investigates Marsha's death and interviews people who knew her or were involved with the case. Some of the sound clips in this episode are from The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, while some are from Paid No Mind, which is another great documentary. In it we see the last interview Marsha P. Johnson gave just days before disappearing and interviews with our friends and acquaintances. Thanks for listening. You can find the podcast on social media if you look for Samo Nuller members. 
Du har lyssnat på ett poddradioprogram från Radio AF. Hitta alla våra program på radioaf.se.